Welcome to the Chit Chat in the Quarter podcast with your host, Irora Agba. Now, every now and again, I have amazing conversations with friends, and these conversations do tend to last longer than 15 minutes. We talk on matters relating life and leadership. It's a casual but profound conversation. I thoroughly enjoy them, and I learn a lot as well. And what I would love to do in this episode is share this conversation with you. If you find that you like it and you do enjoy the content, do me a favor by subscribing to the podcast, liking, leaving a review, and do share with your friends and your family. Now, without any further delays, here is the conversation I was referring to. I am delighted today to have a good friend of mine on this episode. We've been having conversations even before we hit record, and it's already been a fascinating conversation and I'm delighted to to have her join me today. I'm sure that you're going to gain something. Um, Her name is Basola Banjo. We've known each other for, I'd say, over 10 years. That would be about right, yes. Do you remember what you were doing when we met? Maybe playing chess? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, my God, she's good. But yeah, that, that was the first meeting. And Basola is amazing. Not only is she smart, she she holds a bachelor's degree in engineering, electrical and electronics engineering. Am I correct? That is correct, yes. And also an MBA from INSEAD. And you are a business leader in Simmons. She is a very kind-hearted person and extremely driven and determined. I am so honored to introduce my friend, Busala. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Euro, for that very kind introduction. <laughs> You're thinking, is, it, is this, or is this, is really, this me? really me? Exactly. I'm honored to have you and thank you for, for doing this. I just want to ask you a quick question, kind of leading off from the introduction. I, I've known you to be, like I said, very kind-hearted and very determined. You're, you're very driven. You're very focused. I remember all our conversations about even should I do an MBA and what do you think and how should I go about it? Where, where do you think that kind of stems from, that drive and that determination, that focus that you have? Where, where would you track that to? And when did you get a, a hint that actually... I'm, I'm this way as a as a person. Okay, I think like most people who tend to have the same drive like me, it can stem it, it stems back to childhood. Right. Um, I think from a very early age, um, I realized that I was a little bit different. Yes, I was playful. Yes, I got into a lot of trouble, mm-hmm. but I always wanted to help make an impact. Right. Like whether it was helping my mother in the kitchen or helping her with cleaning. Mm. Um, I distinctly remember there was a time when we were moving houses, one of the many times we moved houses where I grew up in Nigeria. And my sisters and I were outside playing and my mom was inside clearing up. Mm. You would have thought that, okay, all of us would have actually been clearing the house with her, but no, we were playing and she was doing all the work. (laughs) And at some point it just dawned on me like, why am I playing outside when my mom is working inside? Mm. And I remember I picked up the broom and I started sweeping one of the rooms And my mom came and then she saw me and she gave me such a heartfelt God bless you. And of course, my mother is like a very typical African Nigerian woman and she's always saying God bless you. But for whatever reason, I remember that God bless you so distinctly. It was over 20 years ago, but I feel that what I did in that moment really meant a lot to her. Um, because I did something small, like just help her with the house move. 
And I think from that, it, it's, it stems me on. I'm one of those people who is driven by compliments. Mm. Um, I want people to recognize the work that I'm doing. So I think me putting in the work that I do, me being hardworking and getting recognized for it is a very big driver for me. Mm. And obviously always making an impact because I always strive to do the best that I can because I know it's not just for me. There's always somebody else that it impacts. Oh, that's good. And how, how did you say you were at this stage? I think I was, I think I was either, I was between eight and 10. Oh, wow. So it's quite I'm young. sure if I, yeah, I, if I, if I don't want to reveal my age. Here, <laughs> we don't have to, I, <laughs> it's not necessary. <laughs> yeah. I think I was be, definitely between eight and 10 years. Right. Ago. So it was, it was, a, it was a pretty long time ago. Definitely over 20 years ago. Oh, oh wow. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so how, and how did, I mean, obviously at that young age, realizing that wow i'm i'm quite driven i'm i'm determined i i'm i want people to see and have feel the impact of the things i'm doing and also co- be complimented for that how did people perceive you how did your your other you know classmates perceive you being you know a young girl but very driven very focused the one perhaps getting all the praise from the teachers and the rest of the how, how did that play yeah. out in school <laughs> You know what? I was always a teacher's pet. Um, um, in primary school, it was a bit of a journey for me. I remember it was almost like a, a tale of two cities. It was definitely um, two halves. Um, the primary system in Nigeria is six years long. And for the first years of my primary school, year one to three exactly, I wasn't doing so well in school. I remember that my teachers in my report card would write that I was always playing. I was too playful. Maybe there was one time I, I, I think there was a, we were at home and I fell down and my head got knocked on concrete. Oh, wow. And I think maybe did that did something. I reset something <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> that was a change for you. <laughs> it wasn't. I, I, I don't know whether the two are I'm joking, but I, I don't know, know whether I the know. two are related. <laughs> but... From primary four, I just started taking school more seriously. Right. And um and I was I realized that I was grasping things um quicker um quickly. Yes. Um you only needed to tell me something once and I would do it and, and I would get it and I would be able to solve it and probably even explain it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um and I think for and I was um, I was always in the at least the top ten percent of my class in primary school and um, a, a large part of secondary school as well. Hmm. Um, and for, I don't think in primary school, obviously, people didn't really look um, like they weren't mad at me or upset with me because it's not like I was the only one. I was either always first, second, or third. But I don't think people hated me for it ever, right. to be honest. Even in secondary school, not so as well. Because um, even being a, a girl doing well, it was kind of normal because it was the girls that were the high achievers in the classroom. Okay, Maybe one or two boys, but it was always the girls that were on top. Um, and I think it's that stereotype that girls seem to mature faster than boys mm-hmm. that, that plays a part here. But I don't think I was looked down upon or bullied because of it. I was never bullied because of that. So. All right, that's that's good. And I know obviously you went on to study engineering later on in university. And was that something you always wanted to do from a young age, being that driven and focused? You did you know from an early age that this is what you'd want to do with your life eventually? Um, I actually didn't know. Okay. So again, growing up in Nigeria, if you were relatively smart you were sort of already um, typecast for certain roles. Right. Um, 
So because I was doing well in school from primary four onwards, um, and then in secondary school, I was doing well in the junior secondary section of my schooling because I was good at maths and um, I was good at the science subjects I was doing at the time. People were like, oh, you're good. You should go into the science class and become a doctor. Right. But then my dad was a doctor before he stopped practicing. Right. And he actually was the one that discouraged me from being a doctor. Oh, okay. So I was like, okay, but if I like sciences and, I don't, uh, and he doesn't want me to be a doctor, what should I do? And then they're like, okay, maybe do engineering because engineering is also technical. And it wasn't until I finished um, secondary school and was on my way to university that I actually decided on electrical and electronic engineering. Mm -hmm. I think the path of engineering was chosen for me because I was good at subjects in school and I had a good base for understanding engineering. Okay. And, and to be honest, I was also curious about how things worked. But I think it, in general, it was just my curiosity about education, to be honest. Okay, oh, that's good. And then going on to studying engineering, what was that like? Were you one of the few female students in your class? And <laughs> what was it like? Oh, yeah, certainly. I think um, it, when I got into um, university was when the disparity of being a black female engineer started to come into play right um i i studied at the university of nottingham nottingham is a renowned school especially for electrical mm -hmm. and electronic engineering which is one of the reasons i chose it and in my classroom were about 105 students and only five of us were girls wow of 105 and as of 105 five were girls wow and of those five three were black right so, <laughs> you were so really the I was minority very aware. <laughs> i really was in the minority and um studying engineering at university was a very different experience also because i that was the time i moved from nigeria to the uk so not only was i adjusting to a higher level of education i was also adjusting to living in a new in, in a new space in a new city and, and acclimatizing i had been in the uk um, for maybe a year before i actually started university and the learning experience was just very different from what i had experienced in nigeria mm -hmm. and i i realized that okay retaining information is not enough i really need to understand what i'm doing and that was something that i struggled with definitely in my first year and then i started to get better in my second and third year mm -hmm. um so the content of what we were studying obviously it's meant to be hard i think that's why it's called higher education right it proves to employers and it proves for the rest of your life that you can apply yourself at a higher level so um it was difficult but you adjust and i think it's part of my personality i work hard i want to do well so I found a way to make it work for me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't always easy, but um, I, I, I put in what I could into it. Okay. And uh, again, it, it was obvious for you at the time that you were in the minority, being five girls or five female students and of the five, three being black. Was that also emphasized by perhaps the 100 male students in that class? Were there were they a lot of black male students? And were they, in general, emphasizing the fact that, well, it was just a handful of you girls in this course and perhaps, you know, what are you girls doing here type thing? Was that ever, <laughs> was that ever your experience? 
No, never. Okay, so um, I think even then, I didn't really think about it too much right. because we were all there, we were all learning, we were all just trying to get by. Um, there were other black male um, students in the classroom and I did form really good friendships with them. I think at most of them, um, if I if I recall correctly, and with um, some of the other students as well. You, it's it's like a typical um, university or educational space. You you tend to find your group of people and then you you get along with each other. Mm -hmm. But in general, it was I wasn't treated any differently. I was just a student in the classroom. I don't think I was ever picked. Uh, it wasn't that it was it was never differentiating the fact that I was a black female student. Right. We were all in the same boat, going to the same classes, just trying to do our best. And I think when it dawned on me that okay, I really am different was when. I was walking to a lecture room once and the lecture was cancelled but I didn't know it at the time so I was just walking to the classroom and somebody just stopped me and went oh the professor actually sent an email and cancelled the classroom the class and I was like oh thank you but how did you know I was going to the class I was like oh you're in my class I know you Right. But I was like, oh, of course, because I'm one of the few <laughs> girls in the class. Of course, he knows who I am, but I have no idea who he, he oh, is. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. But I think that was one of the things that, okay, people do. And even if they don't know my name, they recognize me because I'm different from them. Mm. So, no, that's good. Yeah. And I think at some point within this uh, conversation, I, I would want us to touch on the benefits or the advantages you've seen or, in your opinion, you feel are being black and female in a lot of male and predominantly white dominated spaces but uh, for now let's just really um, stick with the challenges of being a female and being black in what most would consider a very male dominated profession I mean I know you went on to to work with a, a number of companies very you know reputable companies you know in that engineering sector how again like whether it's in electrical engineering, in, in design and project management, you know, again, these are dominated by male. How was that for you? How how did you even get in the door? Okay, so I think when I was, okay, so I finished university in 2008. And 2008 was just before the crisis, the, um, the, yeah, the, the, the financial the yes. market, uh, the financial crisis occurred. Um, I got a job with a company called Arup. Um, and looking back, I think that was when the consciousness in the workplace had just started in terms of emphasizing diversity. Mm -hmm. So I, I, looking back, I don't think it was because I was an exemplary student and I had the best grades. No, I didn't. Um, I did enough to, um, to get a good degree but that was it but looking back i think that was where the consciousness of okay we can't keep hiring the same type of people let's give other people a chance and i recall first of all going through the interview process i applied for the company because they came in for a job fair and the person who was at the booth liked the fact that i came back a second time to ask more questions right that was literally it. That was why he favored me so much because he said I was very curious. Mm -hmm. And the interview, I honestly think I bombed that interview. I don't think I did well <laughs> at all, but somehow I got the job. And when I got into the workplace, first of all, it was my name is different from everybody's name. I mm -hmm. look different from other people. I think I was the only black intake electrical. No, no, no. Sorry. There were two of us, actually. Mm -hmm. um, there were two black female intake and electrical engineers in my year. 
And yes, we were different, but there were also other minorities as well. So we weren't the only one. And of course, it was the minorities that tends to happen um, naturally. It's the minorities that you tend to bond with first quicker um, because you're all in the same boat or you have um, shared experiences. Yes. And I think in the workplace, um, at the time as well, I was, I was still figuring out who I was as a person. I wasn't completely comfortable in my skin. But I was, I knew I was different because of the way I dressed, the way my hair was as well, because I used to do these really large, extra, um, extravagant hairstyles at the time. <laughs> and, um, I, and I used to wear these really high heels in the office. I, that was me. It was my style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked doing that. And I think, um, people recognized who I was or they knew who I was because of that. At the time, I, I was using the, uh, my nickname, Bibi. Uh, in the workplace so i guess the name bb banjo it stood out a bit it's like well, it's catchy who is that so and i would be in meetings and i would talk and it's like okay let's listen to what this girl has to say so if anything i think being a black woman in the engineering sector where there are not so many females or black people to begin with mm. it worked in my favor i was i i i, I never felt like it was ever a disadvantage mm. honestly i i i had never experienced racism in the workplace Uh, have i experienced difficult people certainly Mm -hmm. but it was never i never felt at the time it that it was about the color of my skin right um i I think it worked well for me um i heard a quote once from somebody else who i heard speaking that when you are in a room there are there can be a hundred johns or a hundred margarets but there's only one you because your name is unique so when you speak people want to hear what you're saying like okay this different person what are you going to tell us it's a Hmm. it's a different perspective than they might already be used to so i think that combination definitely worked in my favor oh that's good that's good to hear and you you said the person who came for the job fair liked you because you're of your curiosity and you asked do you remember what questions you asked i honestly don't even think the question was that smart right. <laughs> they just like the fact that you kept asking <laughs> questions yes i had spoken to them about what it is that the company does mm-hmm. and then I, I and then i went away and i think i had looked up the company and the application process and i think i went back to ask a question about the application process i can't remember the exact question but it was really just a follow-up based on what they had said to me before but i guess for favorable reasons he was very impressed about that yeah that's good that's good and it's one thing working alongside men being a driven and focused individual and being a lady it's a totally different thing leading men Mm. how was your transition into leadership in a space where it's dominated by men okay so i think i have two experiences in this Mm -hmm. regard one where i was i had a mandated position of authority and the other where i was really um building my leadership authority within the team Mm -hmm. um in the first instance this was when i was working on a project on a on a site, uh, it was at a construction site because I worked as a construction design engineer. Mm-hmm. But at some phase in the project, when it's actually in development, you have to be there to make sure that things are being done to the client specification. Um, and I was responsible for the electrical design and, and the electrical installations. And I would be there to witness the testing of the transformers, the testing of the electrical switchboards, the testing of the lighting systems. There were a lot of tests that I had to witness. 
um, and I was spending a lot of time on site. And of course, on a construction site, you're not going to find a lot of women. All of them were men. Mm. Um, being in a position of authority that, okay, I represent the client. I am the consultant of the client. It was easier to lead in terms of what needed to be done because I was in a position of authority. They had to listen to me. Mm. Mm. Even when they disagreed with me or what I said, they didn't necessarily, they didn't do it rudely. They, they would ask questions. And when I was in meetings, whatever I said um, went in, in, in a sense, because I had the authority and the backing of the client who hired me to be on the site. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that that was at least an, an easier leadership. I would even call that maybe so much leadership, maybe more management mm -hmm. because it needed to be done. Yes. And then when I was transitioning in the office space to um, wanting to do more project management related roles, um, here I was a junior engineer, a relatively junior engineer, because at the time I had about four years of experience working as an electrical engineer. And then I was stepping up into more roles like, OK, not only am I responsible for just the electrical package, but I'm, I'm responsible for the mechanical as well as the structural as well. Or I'm also including a few more specialist engineers like fire engineers or um or security and a few other um, consultants that needed to be involved. And the leadership role started because I was the one who picked up the call from the client. I happened to be the person a, a client contacted and I took the onus not to hand it over to somebody else. I spoke to um, my manager at the time. I told them about the project. I was the one doing the follow-up. I was the one doing the bid quotations for the client. So when the project did come to fruition, they said, continue with what you were doing. They didn't hand over the leadership or management responsibility mm. to somebody else. So I basically had to be the one to build the team. And I was the one that had to ask for the different engineers that I needed to fulfill the scope of the project and also liaise with the, with the client. And being there for four years and I was working with, I had to bring engineers in my team who had been in the company for 20, 25 years. <laughs> and me telling what an engineer who had been in the company for 25 years, what to do, didn't go down well. Mm -hmm. He couldn't, it took a while for him to understand why it was that I was in that position because he should, ideally because he was the most experienced person, he should have been there, but he didn't get the role I did. Mm -hmm. And it was a learning experience for me because I realized that I couldn't do that um, Nigerian deference to elders. Right. It didn't work because I tried to be respectful. I tried to speak with everybody with, to everybody with respect that they deserve. And I would respect somebody until I would respect first and then let them give me a reason to take away that respect. But I realized that that wasn't working for him because he thought I was a pushover or he thought that he could ride over my decisions, which didn't go down well. Do you feel that he was not responsive because you were also female? Like, how could this, you know, rookie female be leading this project when I've been here for 20 plus years yeah. with more experience? You know, I can't tell because I wasn't in his mind whether it was because I was female. Right. Maybe I wasn't sensitive enough then to pick up on those vibes. It, I can't say for certain mm -hmm. that it was a factor, but I do know that me being as junior as I was, was definitely a factor because of things that he had mentioned to me. 
and things like if you were here longer right. or if you had more experience, you would know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some things, to be honest, some things were valid and then some things were not. But... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. From that position to, I mean, now you, you've definitely grown in, in your leadership. I see in terms of just the roles and just the different companies you've worked mm -hmm. for and even in your current role now with leading different teams and, and being, you know, moving up your leadership to mm -hmm. senior leadership. How, what's that transition been like for you in terms of your leadership and what, what sort of, and I mean, what sort of leadership style, how would you describe your leadership style? And how has that changed over the years? Um, okay, so you make me sound so old when you say, how has my leadership style changed over the years? Well, I, I, I apologize that, that this sounds that way. Uh, to everyone listening, Basola is a very young, amazing <laughs> girl. <laughs> Let's just clarify that. But but the truth is, I mean, I we've, we have conversations and I'm always impressed by our talk it's always it's very it's 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 this really and truly this is us having a conversation and just recording this for everyone to listen or eavesdrop into our conversations but i'm always fascinated by our conversations because of just how you think how you see things your perspective and just i i we talk and i see and i hear growth and there is uh, you know I'm, I'm confident that obviously being in leadership for the amount of time you've been in there, there must have been growth somehow and so i'm interested to hear what your leadership style is now and whether this is what it always was or if it's transitioned over, I, over I, the I years i see your point yes because I, I i see your point yes because when i started like, in the example i just gave about working with in this role where i was the project manager and the leader of that team with the senior engineer then i was trying to establish authority and put my stamp and be a bit more tough so mm -hmm. i think then i was trying to look to other leaders that i saw or, or i looked up to in the work uh, in my company at the time who were successful and it was all it was because these are people who told it as it was mm -hmm. they were very direct they were very abrupt they mm -hmm. didn't really care what you had to say so long as they had gotten their message across right but it didn't feel natural for me mm -hmm. so I, I i had this feeling this impression that okay maybe to be a successful leader i have to not be the way i am maybe i'm too soft maybe i'm too timid maybe it's not it wouldn't work um being myself wouldn't work so i should try and be somebody else mm -hmm. so i went through this process where I always tried to look to people. I would watch a lot of videos. I would listen to podcasts. I, I, to the leaders I looked up to, mm -hmm. I would actually watch how they were, their mannerisms, and try to emulate that, even down to the way some of them spoke as well. Mm -hmm. I would do the same. Like I, would, I, would, I would practice or try and emulate them and see what kind of fit for me because I didn't know by myself how to be this leader that is respected. Yeah. And what I realized at the time is, um, in, in, the, in the role I took after Arab is that I, wa I was so uncomfortable in my skin because hmm. while I was growing into um, it, it, it wasn't necessarily working. Um, and I would say it wasn't working because I felt that there were a lot of factors that made a project I was, I won't mention names of the project just yeah. to protect an anonymity, but That's fine. the project failed in my opinion. And I felt on in reflection, I felt it was because part of the reason that the project failed or my part of the project failed was because I wasn't being myself. Right. So what I, I went on then was a journey um, 
and I discovered um, authentic leadership. Mm. And authentic leadership is effectively just about leading with values, leading with transparency, leading with motivation. Um, not people that, that people recognize that, okay, you are truthful to yourself mm. and you have a lot of self-awareness. You may right. not necessarily always talk about it, but you by yourself being so self-aware and conscious of who you are and am, what it is that your strengths, your weaknesses, um, what your, your limits of integrity are or not, and communicating that to the people you work with, people buy into that. Yeah. So I realized that, okay, I can grow in what it is that I want to be as a leader. I can still keep on watching the other leaders, but I can still be myself. I don't have to lose myself in the process of trying to be this world leader in, and to be recognized that the people, the reason why those people are recognized is because they, in some way, they are authentic to themselves. They are not mm. pretending to be somebody they are not. I know a lot of people say fake it to make it. Yes, it is true to a, a, a large degree that you cannot be perfect at something for, at, in the first instance hmm. and you fake it a little bit until you get there. But while you're faking it, you have to stay true to yourself yeah. and see the faking as growing within the role. You're pushing the boundaries of your development and being um, conscious of what it is that the reason, the, knowing the why behind what it is that you're doing hmm. and why you're doing it. So authenticity became a very big part of me at the time like okay i want to be true to myself i started being a lot more self-conscious that okay if i feel like okay i go out to a place and i'm not comfortable in i'm in myself or i'm i'm forcing a conversation too much i move on mm. and it's like okay i don't get on with you i don't have to force it with you because you are important for my career growth mm. i would find somebody else who is equally as important that i can build a rapport with mm. So I don't have to, um, to fake it. And I think we were talking about this before. Yeah. People can tell when you are not being authentic. Yes, that's true. And you, don't, and you don't want to have that reputation. They might not be able to call it authenticity. They might not be able to pinpoint it or put it in words. But they're just like, mm, something about this person is off-putting to me. Or mm, I just don't really like that person. I just don't. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel them. I don't, I don't like them. Mm. And it's and most of the time it's because you are not authentic. Mm. Uh, um, people can sense that. Yeah. So for me, I, I think growing my my journey now to what it is that is my value proposition as a leader, trying to answer the question that mm. you asked me in the first instance, <laughs> is is um, my leadership right style right now, especially in the roles that I've had to take on since my MBA has been about collaboration. Mm, um, I good. am definitely a very collaborative leader. Um, I just, um, I'm still in the process of project managing um, a very significant um, change in my company at the moment where my division, um, the energy division is becoming an independent company. And I was in the Carvalt project management office. So I was in the eye of the storm. Right. And if I was not, a naturally collaborative person who had worked on collaborative leadership, that would have been an impossible task to do. Absolutely. Um, so I think playing to those strengths and you realize, especially in big conglomerates, like the ones I'm working in right now, that many people don't talk to each other. 
everybody mm. assumes that everybody else knows what it is that they're supposed to be doing. And you just connecting person A to person B mm. makes a world of difference. Mm. Um, or you just following up or you caring about the people that you're working. It's like, oh, you're so nice. You're so caring. I've never had somebody like you before. Mm. Even, with the rep um, even with the fact that I came from quote unquote headquarters telling people in local regions what to do. I feel that they respected me because I respected them. Mm. And I really wanted to take them onto this journey of, okay, we're becoming independent. And again, it goes back to vision as well. Once it is that you have a clear vision and you try and bring people on board to that and you include them in the process, um, everybody wants to do well. Everybody wants to do their best. Mm. So if you are authentic in your collaboration, um, people, you can achieve fantastic results. I don't think I would have been able to achieve what I achieved on that project without being myself, a hundred percent myself, and being as collaborative as I was. No, that's good. That's that's. Oh, thank you so much for that. that and as, as you alluded to to in your response there, that we kind of spoke about this off air in terms of mm -hmm. your leadership style and just that. And like I said to you, this was the first time I've actually heard that phrase, authentic mm -hmm. leadership. I I mm -hmm. heard obviously people say, you know yes people don't really want a leader who's always right they want one who's mm -hmm. can be real but i think you mm -hmm. like i said you gave me language to what that actually is uh, mm -hmm. and, and and yeah collaboration is key for me personally I, my leadership style funny enough the the role i'm in now one of the questions i got asked at the interview <laughs> three months or four months ago was what how would you describe your leadership <laughs> and um, so I just took that question. I thought, yeah, I'll ask, I'll ask myself the question. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I, I responded with um, personal, and because for me, I, I, I love to know people, and as you say, like connecting people to, to, to the next person, and and knowing your story, like you know, what's your, what's your deal, like what's what are you trying to achieve, or how can I come alongside you, and how can I help you, and how, how can we do life together in this journey that we're on so um yeah I, yeah that's really good and yeah thank you for sharing that like i said you've given a lot of us new language in in leadership you, you mentioned that you were listening to uh obviously a number of leaders uh who do you mind sharing who these leaders were at the time that you're listening to or, or if you're still listening to them um I've been too busy at work to be listening to them. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you're trying to carve out a new legal entity. <laughs> exactly. But at the time, um, it was um, the, the the usual suspects. Right, right. Okay. Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, right. Barack Obama was a huge influence because I love the way he speaks, mm -hmm. the way he, he, he gives speeches. And a few of the women as well. Um, the CEO of Pepsi. Right. Um, Indra Noyi. Okay. Because she was a female leader, I, I looked up a few of her videos as well to see, okay, how is a woman in the workplace? And of course, Sheryl Sanders as well, because her very popular book at the time was about encouraging women to take a seat at the table and not right. take a step back. And it was really, it was a really popular movement at the time. And I liked the way she spoke about it as well and the way she carried herself and the, and the what she espoused about her leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the ones off the top of my head that I can I, I can recall. Oh, that's good. Earlier on in the your know, response as well, you mentioned that there were leaders that you were around who were very in earlier in your transition as you, and as you developed in leadership, who were very direct and just <laughs> said things how how it should be, and it yeah. was no maybe not so much no 
personal touch. Yeah. If you like, were they by any chance male leaders? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. Um, oh wow! Okay. At least two of them were women as well. Okay. Um, uh, they were very no nonsense. The kind of women that you would call ball busters, for one right. thing, that's a word. Right. And they were just very. And I remember I spoke to one of them. And she told me, you know what, Bibi, at some point, you just have to decide enough is enough and you are going to stand your ground on certain issues. Uh. <laughs> and, and it was as, it was as simple as, her, as that for her because she said that um, she actually shared her, her story with me that she started off the way that I did where she was a bit like, okay, she wanted to bring everybody on board and she was respectful to everybody until there was a time she was talking to a contractor on the phone and he was behaving the way contractors do. And she practically yelled at him on the phone and said, you are not going to go on site and build this until I say so. Wow. And it was in that moment that things changed for her because it's like, okay, you have, you, you have to be recognized as somebody who is abrupt, direct, and brash. Maybe in the industry I was in at the time, it was very mm. important because it's, it's construction. Mm. Um, but she, she definitely advised me that I needed to stand my ground definitely and i do try to do that but i feel only when it is absolutely necessary i don't do it mm -hmm, every time mm -hmm. if i feel like i'm being taken for a ride i would tell you that i know you're taking me yes. for a ride and yes. stop it yeah yeah but i don't do it every time like i said collaboration is my go-to until you convince me that you don't want to right and uh, what, what sort of um qualities would you say female leadership have or bring to the table that are deficient or lacking in male leadership? Have you seen or noticed any sort of differences that you'd be like, okay, well, that's something definitely a female leader brings that is not usually found in male leadership? That's a good question. I'm thinking about um, a, a suitable enough response. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely, and I, I think, to be honest, I, it's not so much male versus female. For me, it's the different personality types. For what I'm trying to draw up on now is the trait I've seen in female leadership that I haven't seen in male leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think that is predominantly recognizing the subtle, innate talent of right. people. I think that women, because they are mothers, are a bit more intuitive and perceptive. Mm. A little bit more than men right. are. Not saying that men are not, but women just have, I think, that natural ability, whereas a man might have to learn it. Right. Um, and I think because, and when women, especially those who are mothers, take that into a workplace and into leadership, they tend to be a little bit more intuitive about people mm. or perceptive about things. Mm. And I think the people who have given me a chance the most have been women. Hmm. I would say more than men. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, the example I give of the recruiter, he was a man. So mm -hmm. maybe, um, but he was one that gave me a chance to actually um, interview me. But if I think in the leadership roles, the first project management job I got, it was a woman that made the decision that I do it in the, um, in the next role that I got after that in the new company, women definitely supported me and had my back and um, really um, drove me mm -hmm. on. Um, so I, I think maybe because of that, maybe it's because of the fact that I'm a woman and they're women and they know what it's like, but I feel that they definitely bring intuition into it and they can see beyond that. Okay. Beyond what is on paper, beyond what you say mm -hmm. and do, 
they they sense things more i would yeah. say and and do you think that that difference that you know soft softer side skill that emotional intelligence that female leadership bring is that is that mm. frowned upon in the workplace is that or ridiculed in a way or almost spoken of in a condescending manner towards female leaders like oh well she she's emotional or yes um i would say mm -hmm. yes um again without giving too specific an example um i think if i look back on my entire work experience i have definitely heard follow-up conversations when intuition plays a part in mm. meetings and it, emotions do come into play and where the consensus afterwards is that oh maybe she's pmsing right or <laughs> right or oh she was very emotional mm. wasn't she right right whereas i feel that if it was a man who did exactly the same thing of like oh wow what a great leader he right. is or oh did you see that happen oh it was different the, the reaction would have been different yeah. if it was a man yeah. rather than a woman so i definitely think there is some blowback to doing yeah. that in the workplace but again if, if that's who you are people will learn to deal with it yes because you are being authentic yeah and if it doesn't work in that company go and find another company <laughs> it's not life is not it's that not that, it's not that it's not that difficult you know one of the no. I, I think this is a speech from i think 2011 2012 i think uh julia gillard the one-time prime minister of australia where she really yeah. ha has a go at the opposition leader for just um misogyny and and sexism and mm. you know even that um I, I remember some of the reports in like main street media about uh her response which in my opinion was very justified and, and necessary um the the coverage was oh well steaming hot response even that comment i'm like hmm well if that was a man who had a go at another man you would not say his response was steaming hot in a sense or uh, and uh, even recently with theresa may and there was a fascination with her clothing and mm. her shoes <laughs> and again I, I i see that in mainstream media and i'm thinking well we've had other male leaders who are not very well kept <laughs> you know, whether it's their hair or how they dress and present themselves in public. But no one really makes mention of those sort mm -hmm. of things. So I definitely think that, yes, yeah, there, there is a difference, in my opinion anyway, of how uh, female leaders are treated compared to, yeah. to male leaders. Now, for, for a young person coming in to, you know, especially a male-dominated profession, what what would you what are the things you've learned now that you'd advise your younger self to be aware of, to be mindful of, and perhaps do or not do? What would you say to a, a young girl? Because I know that's one of your passions as well, to, to encourage young girls and, you know, young adults to really go for, go for their, their dreams and, and whether it's in, in engineering, especially, I know you, you're, you're keen on that. What would you be saying to a young girl who wants to make it as a, as a leader, not just, you know, or a you know a first level leader talking ceo level you yeah. know top of the chain what sort of things should she begin to do from the beginning of her career or be mindful of or perhaps not do sure. okay um i would definitely say this that hard work alone is not sufficient um 
I learned much later on that it is not about the amount of hours or the amount of time you put into the project. It's that is hard capital, which is good because it's the least that you can do, mm -hmm. but you need to go beyond. Right. Yes, work hard. Yes, do what is put in front of you. Yes, sh do your best to complete what is given in front of you. Complete your tasks. Learn along the process to, um, to develop your career. But you also need to go the extra mile, whether it is asking for more work to do um, or, um, or putting yourself in front of people who you have identified might be important for your career. Mm -hmm. I would advise definitely mapping out for yourself who your potential key stakeholders could be for your career development. This was something, networking is sometimes seen as a swear word, but it is so important um, because while you are in the office working till 9 p.m., 10 p.m., which I did on several occasions, there are other people who still do the same amount of work, but they finish at six, 5 p.m., 6 p.m., hmm. but then they don't go home. They go out into like, and then they meet with their colleagues or they arrange for meetings with other people that they have identified might be important and might, that might help their careers onwards. Mm -hmm. So they call them, okay, the formal language is mentors or sponsors or people who guide you along the way, but they are so important mm -hmm. because when there are discussions going on in rooms that we are not, we don't have access to, or we are not privy to, if people don't know who you are, if people don't know what you stand for outside of the work you do, they cannot vouch for you. Right. They cannot say, let us give, even if they're having meetings about, okay, who can we take a chance on? Who can we earmark potentially for future leadership and start grooming the person onwards? If your name is not on anybody who matters radar, how can you be in that room? Um, right. Or how can you eventually get there? Right. So it is very important to do more than just your work. Ident like you need to know who the decision makers are. Either, and it's easy to know this. You don't have to do it yourself or start stalking people. No. Go to HR. HR is a very good resource for that. Go to communications. Go to marketing. Learn about your company. Who are the executive board members of your company? Who is your CEO? Who is your CFO? What is the structure? How far down are you in the structure? Where it is, where is it that you might want to get to? Okay, start reading up on them. Google is your best friend. Read up <laughs> on people, search, search their LinkedIn profile. Like, okay, this person did this, that. Oh, this person likes this. Okay, or this person went to this university. I went to that university. Let me use that as a pointer. And people are, you will be surprised about how many people I have asked offline, like just cold contact. Say, can I please have lunch with you? Or can I please have coffee with you? 10, 15 minutes of your time, 30 minutes of your time, you you will be so surprised how willing and open people are to do this because it's an ego boost as well. Right. Who doesn't want to talk about what they've done? Who doesn't want to, at least in some, even if they're just talking about themselves, you are at least learning from them yes. what it is that they have done to get there. Don't rely on your work and meritocracy to get there. Your work is good, but at some level, every um, competence is assumed. So your, your right. hard work is not a differentiator anymore. 
you need to have something extra going for you and which is something i recognize i I wish i had known about sooner right but i would say i would say don't be put off always do your best definitely but go beyond as well oh wow that is (laughs) do you know what that is golden advice like, that is so good thank you so much and i i asked that question because obviously um i've got um nieces you know young nieces who who will be listening to this and and it's one thing with me saying well you need to do this it's like oh yeah they're uncle again he's going on and he's yapping <laughs> it's another thing hearing from a business leader someone who's in it and who's done it guys hit pause rewind and play that back again. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think if that is all you get from this conversation, honestly, that is golden advice. Thank you so, so much. That is, is so good. Um, we're coming to an end now. And I've just got a few more questions. I wanted to ask, in, I, I know you mentioned earlier on that you didn't really see being a black female as a disadvantage. That if anything, it's actually been beneficial for you in in your career can we speak a little bit on that how how has it benefited you because again i know even now with you know the black lives matter movement and just you know everyone speaking so much on on social justice and we do know there's a lot of disparity in 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 certain spaces you know and not uh the sort of representation we would want to see whether it's with female leadership or or black you know female and male leadership you know in in certain spaces but how has this worked to your benefit and what should people young black girls and perhaps even boys as well be thinking how should they see things differently because unfortunately a lot of young people black boys and girls are seeing things from one perspective like it's us against them they're not going to let us in but in your experience, it's been different. What what sort of perspective change do we need to have and how do we even begin to, to make that change? That's a really good question. Um, I would say it's definitely not us versus them. Um, it's not, it is about black empowerment hmm. and it is about going beyond where it is that our, our parents were able to go through hmm. And breaking those unseemingly um, unbreakable ceilings, like getting into sea level and being more than just the chief diversity officer that they hire because they want to see there's a black person on the board. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I think it's, it's still progress, um, but I think there is definitely still room for improvement. But I would say this, that, okay, we are in terms of numbers, the minority mm. certainly but i think there is definitely strength in our differences and just keep playing to your strength mm. and speaking up against injustices when you see it mm. um for me to wear my um i wouldn't call myself a feminist but i'm definitely about female empowerment mm. and female equality especially to the boys or the men that may be listening to this encourage and like just be aware of the fact that even if you're black if you're a black male there are prejudices against you and if and a black female definitely experiences more prejudice because she's black and she's female so she has the prejudices of being black and she has the prejudices of being a woman yes 
So when you see injustice, where you see inequality, speak up, support. Hmm. That helping each other out is how we will eventually get to the promised land. Yes. That is how we would break through by helping and supporting each other. It's even with the us versus them mentality, we are even doing us versus us as well. Right. So if we are not cohesive together, then we're never going to actually be a unified enough unit to move ahead, but be a decent human being. Mm. Talk, speak against inequality, speak against injustice when you see it. Mm. Don't join people to make the same jokes about people that may be different from other people. And this is even just black and white. Just be, I would just say, just be decent. Um, be a, a decent human being. Yeah. Um, we, we have excellence within us. The world is beginning to recognize that and we just need to continue working towards that and helping each other along the way. Wow. <laughs> okay. Hit pause again and then go back <laughs> and listen to this again. Oh my God. This is so good. Thank you so, so, this is so good. Honestly, this is golden. Thank you. I mean, I I echo that 100%. And I, I, I think we definitely need to see more female leaders. Personally, I love to see more female leaders in 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 business, in in churches, <laughs> everywhere. Really, I mean, I I would say I've been very fortunate in my previous role to have um, a lot of female leaders in the company. As a matter of fact, and I, I'm okay to to actually mention the company because I did say to to one of the directors that I would because it was very refreshing for me to see. This company is called Viapath, and um, I, I worked with the company for a couple of years. And one of the things that really struck me when I started working with the company is the number of female I, uh, leaders I saw, and not just junior leaders. I'm talking about high senior leaders. It was really, really impressive. I had an amazing lady as uh, uh, the director of operations uh, or the course uh, operations another amazing lady as the director of quality and just fascinating like really brilliant women who knew this stuff but then brought so much to the table that i definitely didn't see in again there were a lot of great male leaders in that company but they brought something that was just very different and very unique i definitely agree that we do need to see uh more female empowerment and female uh females promoted to prominent positions and not just you know mediocre positions where they don't really have real authority where they actually have because i think there's a value there in my current role now again i have a direct um, i directly report to a, a female and again an amazing leader I've, I've worked with her for a month now and you could tell i mean when you see when you're on the bad leadership you know quickly <laughs> that i mean i wouldn't even call it bad leadership there's just leadership is if it's bad it's not leadership. It's, it's, it's something else. So, yes, I think we definitely need to promote um, more female leaders in, in yeah, just spaces and, and, and places, to be honest. So, again, Basola, thank you so much for your time today. I've just got a quick fire round questions. And, um, yeah, we would draw this interview to an end. Um, obviously, we've been in lockdown for, well, the past three months solid. Mm -hmm. I know things are easing up in in Germany and all over Europe and different places as well. So what was the uh, first restaurant you visited after lockdown? 
I know you're a foodie, so what was the first place you went to after lockdown? <laughs> um, a sushi restaurant in the town beside mine. It's called Kokoro. Uh, and for those who are Nigerian, it's yeah, it's very similar to the Yoruba word Kokoro. Right. Okay. Yeah, it, cool. Next question. What food would you say describes you? Yam pottage. Why? Because it's a mixture of sweet and spicy. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'm nice. I'm personal. I'm collaborative, but don't cross me. <laughs> because I'll I'll take it back. All right. <laughs> Next question. What book are you currently reading? Oh, it's it's a joke book actually. Okay. It's how to be German in 50 easy steps. Oh, wow. That's good. <laughs> Sounds interesting. And yeah. last question. If you were on a desert island, what one thing would you or would you say is a must have for you? My Bible. Your Bible. Okay. Outside of your Bible. <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm just catching. <laughs> nah, it's cool. Nah, this is fun. I love it. But outside of the Holy Scriptures, <laughs> what else would you have? Um, Something I cannot do without, mm. which is probably a sharp knife so that i can cut food properly well that, that is fair enough <laughs> oh wow you know what this has yeah this has been amazing thank you so much i am i am so honored that you would take this time to share with us your wisdom and just speak so openly about your experiences and it's been I, i've really enjoyed this this has been so amazing thank you so much for spending this time with me today it's a